go. Well, good morning. Happy Easter, everyone. It's great to see you. Uh, my name is Mike Balzer. I am the, uh, the minister for the church here in Burlington. The, um, I, I want to welcome all of our... We've got some Bostonians here visiting, so it's good to have you guys. Welcome. Uh, joining us on Easter Sunday. It's uh, great to see you all. But, you know, this... Uh, first off, i got to say, Mo and Nero, that was a great... That was, that was awesome. I was, like, so encouraged. Uh, I felt like she did the... That was the... You both did a great job. The perfect introduction, I would think. It couldn't have been better had I written it myself. Uh, so that was awesome. Thank you for, for that. I, and Ralph's shirt. I didn't think about it. But amen, you're right. Uh, you know, the, uh, the title of this morning's sermon, sermonian, lesson, thought, is Now They See Him. Right? Now They See Him. And uh, if you've got a Bible, feel free to turn over to John 20. Um, I am I'm privileged, I'm glad to be able to, to share this with, with all of us this morning. Um, but really getting a chance, you know, Ralph last week did a, a great sermon over kind of uh, Jesus' brother James and looking at how his response throughout Jesus' life and then how he responded uh, to the resurrection itself. But what I want to look at today is how a few of Jesus' disciples actually responded to the resurrection. Um, but before we jump into that, let's just pray together. Right? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you this morning for being able to come together to worship you. Um, Father, I want to thank you for your son who came to, to live a perfect and sinless life on this earth, to be the Lamb of God that would, that, whose blood would, would cleanse us of all of our sin, Lord. And, and the fact that not just that he died, but that you resurrected him as a promise to us. Thank you, Father. I, I am so grateful. Thank you for the fact that he, you did, in fact, raise, Lord, to, to know that I have confidence in, in a resurrection for myself, my family, um, the, those that I love, Lord. I pray that we can help many come to know this as well. But be with us today. Be with me through your Holy Spirit. Let me uh, be at peace and be an instrument of your will this morning. We love you. We give thanks to you and praise to you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I mean, you know, for every Christian, the resurrection is not only real, but it's relevant. Right? Sometimes it's, it, you know, we, we grow up, uh, oh, slide slightly from my notes. We, we, this is a skeptical society at this point. Would you agree? Generally, I mean, I know my generation, we are like so skeptical of any authority in general, right? Millennials are known for that. We just, we're opposed to authority uh, in a lot of ways. We think we're smart, uh, which we are, but amen. You know, I think, not saying others aren't, but when we look at this idea, when we, we consider that the resurrection, it was in fact a real event, right? It was in fact real, but what does that even mean? We can, we can intellectually, you know, at times go, I understand that Jesus was a man who actually walked on this earth, that, that he lived and died. We do know that. History, there, there's too much evidence to support the idea that Jesus was in fact a real person. And the question always comes to, you know, did he raise up, right? Did he rise again? And, and we as Christians certainly believe this to be true, but what does that mean to us? What does it mean to, to you? You know, 
For me personally, I've got to ask myself that question. To me, it means that I have the opportunity to live a forgiven life. That I get to be forgiven of the sin, of of the things that I've done wrong, that, that I one day get to go to heaven and be with God. But not only that, it's, it's that I can forgive myself. Anybody else that guilty soul that has a hard time forgiving themselves? Uh, I'm one of those that sometimes I think if people were watching me all the time, they, they would think I was a crazy person because I'll run through past things I've done in my head. Maybe somebody else does this. And I'd be like, oh, that was so stupid. Just out loud. Anybody else have done that? And, and or I'll just be like, I'll think of something and I'll clench my hands and be like, oh, why did I say that? You know, anybody else talk to themselves sometimes? Okay, amen. Thank you for validating that I'm not actually going crazy. Um, you know, but the resurrection matters because it, it means that I can forgive myself of those things. Uh, hopefully I'll learn from those things and, and those mistakes. But because I can live a life forgiven of sin, I do. it also means that I can live by the power of the Holy Spirit. That I'm given hope and inspiration from the cross. Right? From the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. You know, and today we celebrate, at the end of this, we're going to take communion together. And, and typically, we take communion remembering the death, the body, and the blood of Jesus. And we will remember that. But today is really a celebration of the fact that Jesus didn't stay dead. That God performed a miracle and brought him back as a promise of a hope for us. And what we're going to do, as I said, we're going to look at some of these individuals who were, who were there um, leading up to Jesus' death. So in John chapter 20 is where we're getting started. And we'll start in verse 10. But before we do that, I think it's important to kind of set the scene here. Right? Set the scene. So put your imagination hats on whenever you want to think, however you want to do it. But, but consider this, right? We're going to pick up and look at a few people, but just before this, they've, they have watched Jesus die on a cross. Naked and humiliated, brutally murdered, he was set and, and persecuted and murdered as an innocent man, having done nothing wrong, right? And so, the emotional impact, you've got to think of, what would that feel like to see someone you love so much to die that way? And it's been a couple days since Jesus has died. In fact, it's been three days. And Mary and a couple other women, they've made the decision that they're going to go to the tomb and they're going to anoint Jesus' body with oils. And so they, they head to the tomb and they're getting there. And when they show up, though, they found that the stone blocking the tomb has been moved and Jesus' body is gone. Can you, I mean, Mary sees this, and you've got to put yourself emotionally, try to see it there. That she just watched him die, and now she suddenly sees that his body is gone. They couldn't just kill him, now they stole him. She, she runs back to the other disciples. You know, I, I, you've got to see, I, I imagine she's probably emotional, a little bit hysterical, right? Running back, and she gets to the house, and I can just see her leaning against the doorframe and being like, 
He's gone. They've taken him. They've taken the Lord. We don't know where they put him. And and she and Peter and John and a couple others, they, they run back to the tomb. Right? They run back to the tomb. She's probably still upset, crying, frustrated. Imagine what Peter and John are thinking. John is Jesus' best friend. Peter is one of his other best friends. They run back. They get there. John looks in. He can't even go in the tomb. And he looks in and just sees the linens there and sees nobody. Right? Peter shows up just a little bit after that. And he just walks in and sees Jesus is gone. Mary shows up after them as well. And I don't know if you guys can, can put yourself there, but to see someone you love so much be taken, their life be taken, you've buried them, you've had a ceremony, you're going to respect them, and then you show up and you feel like you've just stolen him. It wasn't enough that you killed him, right? Imagine how frustrated they felt. Imagine the anger and the rage, feeling distraught, sad, defeated maybe, completely overwhelmed. Can you guys feel that? You know, and thinking of how they're doing, and and maybe they stuck around, they guys stuck around for a little bit longer, trying to see any, any signs, but it just says that they went home. Peter and John and the others, they went home. And and they're going to go back into hiding. But Mary stays and she stands there in front of the tomb just crying. Just crying because her Lord has been taken. Right? She's just distraught. And so it's here in this story that we pick up in John's Gospel. In verse 10. It says... Then the disciples went back home, to their homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent down and looked into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away. And I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni! Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I am returning to my Father and your Father. To my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. She told them that he had and she told them that he had said these things to her. 
Now, you think about, she's, she's crying. She's in front of the tomb, right? She's, she's kneeling down. She's looking in. She's in tears. The idea that she cried out, Rabbi, like how did she respond to Jesus when, when she saw him? She's like, Rabbi! I, I, I don't know if it was Rabbi or like, I mean, the moment of just shock. Can you imagine what that would be like? That, that you're in this deep emotional pit and then suddenly you see him alive? She was probably, I, I imagine, it sounds like she just went to grab him. Like, like, you know, anybody ever seen like, um, or maybe some ladies have done this, where you've seen a good friend who you haven't seen in forever, and you just run to them and you're just like jumping up and down, trying to grab them, hug them, just hold on to them. You're like, oh my goodness, you're here. Like losing her mind. Like, that's one of the things I appreciate, John. But he doesn't really do any internal monologue, you know what I mean? It doesn't, we don't really know that. But I can't imagine that, you know, that, that Mary was just like, Oh, Rabbi! It's so good to see... I mean, no. She's just crying and weeping. And suddenly, all of the hope that had been destroyed, all of the despair that had been present, was just banished in a moment. Complete and utter, overwhelming joy, right? And excitement at seeing Jesus. Because the hope of a kingdom with no king, salvation without a savior, it's hard to be saved by a dead savior, right? And yet, hope is restored in this moment. Power is returned to the ministry of Jesus. And it had never really gone. He was only just fulfilling what needed to be done, right? But can you see and feel a little bit of the emotion that maybe she was feeling? To think about what it would be like to, to see Jesus. Now, that, now she sees Him. And the faith that she had in the moment of being able to see Him. Right? And so he tells her, Go tell the others. Personally, I think it's amazing that the first person to proclaim the resurrection of Jesus to others was a woman. It's kind of cool. It's like some serious authority he just gave to a lady right there up front. You get to be the first one to tell anybody else. Uh, That's pretty profound considering the society that they were in at that point. But you know, she runs off ready to tell that Jesus is alive. That he is alive, right? And so they, this same day, we're going to keep reading, but we're going to look at how some of his other disciples respond, right? Because he's, it's the same day, she goes back to the house and she says, because he's alive. But let's look how, what they're doing. In verse 19, it says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and stood among them. Peace be with you. Now, this just makes me think Jesus has a sense of humor, personally. But after he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw Jesus. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, 
I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. You know, like I said, this this makes me think that Jesus has a sense of humor. He didn't just come up and like knock on the door to have them let in. No, they're inside a locked house. I don't understand. This is like one of those mysteries of of Jesus. But they're in a locked house, afraid for their lives, because the Jews have just killed Jesus. Mary just comes in and says, no, he's alive. I've seen him, right? And I don't necessarily think they believe her. Reason being is he has to be like, no, no, here's my hands, touch me. Okay, here's my side. Okay, touch me. Okay, I'm real, guys. I'm here. But what I love is that he walks into a locked house and just goes, peace be with you. Like, what did that look like? You know what I'm saying? What did that look like to, to see a whole room of people who just are like, what? Where did you come from? Where did you just come from? I, 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 how did you get in here? Right? I mean, they probably weren't even thinking, how did you get in here first? It was like, Wait, what? Jesus is alive because they just watched him die. And now he's suddenly there. And if you've ever been in a group, you know, sometimes if you, you can get excited by yourself with maybe you and one other person, but if you're with other people, the excitement just builds. It's like singing a song by yourself. Well, I don't know, I get pretty fired up sometimes. Chris is like, you can sing quieter. Like, okay, sorry. You know, if I'm singing in the house sometimes. But if... But when I'm singing with you guys, I mean, I'm, I'm belting it. I just, I love singing with the church. Our God, He's alive. I'm like going for it. But can you imagine? Can you imagine what it would be like to be in that room? And they're touching him. They're, they're touching his hands and they're feeling his side. And they're like, you are alive. They see him and they put their faith in that, you know what? I get it. He was, they didn't believe, they didn't get the message that Jesus was saying, I'm going to have to die, and then I'm going to raise from the dead again. They didn't just expect Jesus to come back. This would have been the most exciting, overwhelmingly surprising thing. And all John has to say was, they were overjoyed. You get what I'm saying? It's like, it says they saw him, Then the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Come on, John. Do some like Susan Collins here and let me know like some internal dialogue of some disciples. What were you thinking about what's going on in your mind? But I go through this. And what does Jesus say to them in all of this excitement? Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me now I'm sending you. You know, for me, I take away some, some responsibility from this. You know, it's, it's, I, don't, I don't see this as just the apostles here. He see, I think he's just as the disciples. I think there's more than just the apostles. He's saying to the disciples who believed him, he goes, I'm sending you now. And he's saying, what did, Jesus, what did God send Jesus to do? He said, I've sent. He came to preach the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. And then he tells his disciples, I'm sending you 
who believe that I raised from the dead, you've seen me now, to go and preach the kingdom. And I take that responsibility with me. Do you take it with you still? Right? If you saw Jesus come back from the dead, wouldn't you want to tell everybody? But if we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, shouldn't we want to tell everybody? I feel that challenge. I feel that challenge. And I'm not just putting it out there to everybody. I feel it to my own soul, my own heart, my own being. Do I really believe that Jesus rose from the dead? If I believe the dead guy came back to life, don't I need to be talking about it more? Yes. And you know, these guys did. They, these people went and radically changed the world. They said they turned the world upside down. What an incredible idea. That they believed, they saw him, and they put their faith, right? In Jesus, as one who brought a message, the power to change the world is what you have in the message of the resurrection of Jesus. Do you ever think about that? Do you feel that? The power of God in the message he has? When I dwell on it, I do. When I don't dwell on it, I don't. You guys with me? When I think about it, I'm like, I, I need to talk to people. But when it's not on my mind and it's not on my heart, I don't feel so compelled. I don't feel the freedom. I don't feel the excitement, the power, the promise that's there. But God wants us to have that. And that should come with the resurrection. That power comes with it. But you know, we have doubts. Anybody else have doubts at different times? Been, been issued with stuff? I mean, come on. The, the reality is, it's, it's real. That's what reality means. But what encourages me is that even apostles doubted. Keep going and look at this. Look in verse 24. And we're going to read through... 24 through 28. It says, Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We've seen the Lord! But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. Right. It goes on. And, and I've got to pause there for just a moment because he's got some of his, his closest friends, right? His closest people who've been with him through thick and thin. They saw Jesus die. They were there with him. They were, some of them were in the garden. And, and he's like, no, we saw him. We saw him, Thomas. I, I touched him. I touched his hand. I touched his side, Thomas. He was real. And he's going, I don't believe it. Until I touch him. I don't believe it. Right? And they give Thomas a hard time. You know, he's called Doubting Thomas. Poor guy. Poor guy. You know, he gets a bad rap, I think. He's doubting his friends, but you know what? He's never seen a dead guy come back to life before. I've never seen a dead guy come back to life before. 
You know, maybe Margaret has if it's only been a little while. But that's it. And so for Thomas to go, I, 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 I need to see it to believe it. Right? I can respect that. I can respect that. Well, what does Jesus do? Well, a week later, after see, here's Jesus playing jokes again. A week later, after his disciples were in the house again, Thomas was with them, though the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. You know, eventually, Jesus showed up to him and was like, Let me just show you so that you can believe. Alright? You didn't believe your friends. These, these witnesses that were there. It's not hard to understand why he, he doubted. Maybe it was pride. Maybe you, Anybody ever said something like, I'm going to... You know you're wrong, but because you've said, like, alright, I'm not going to do this until this happens, and you've like, you know you're wrong, but you refuse to back down just because you said you wouldn't. Anybody ever, ever done that? No one, I'm sure, you know. Uh, where you feel like, on principle, I know that I'm totally wrong, but I'm still going to say this. But you know what? On the other hand, maybe he just, it was just too good to be true. It was just too hard to believe that Jesus was there. You know? But Jesus shows up and he goes, I told you, Thomas. I told you. And now your friends have told you. You've seen witnesses who've talked about it. And he makes it clear to him, I'm back. You know, I'm sure he gave Thomas the same charge. The Father sent me, now I'm sending you. But here's what's interesting. Because Thomas, you know, now they see him. They see him. The disciples see him. And they believe. But here's what what Jesus says about this. He says to Thomas, he says, Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in His name. Right? You know, John writes all this. John's Gospel is, is so much about belief. I mean, he, John uses the word believe, belief, believes, whatever, more times in his Gospel than all three of the other Gospels combined. I mean, his emphasis is, I want you to believe this. And what Jesus says to Thomas, he goes, Blessed are those who don't see me and still believe. Jesus would appear to over 500 people at one time. 
500 individuals at one time. If this isn't like a mass delusion or anything like that. I mean, if you had a couple people being like, no, 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 I saw him, I saw him. You might be like, all right, I don't, I, no, I don't think so. 500 people going, no, we saw him, we heard him, we touched him. We, you know, you're seeing all of this evidence of it. I, I could be persuaded, right? I'd be suspicious of people's motives. What do you what do you get out of this? These disciples didn't really get anything but a lot of persecution, right? But they put their faith in Jesus. Those who saw him, we don't see him today. They saw him, and now we don't. But what we have is God's word. Right? What we have is the scriptures to tell us the account. John says, I've written this so that you may believe. Right? He writes later, he goes, if I wrote down everything, the books would fill this world of the things that Jesus has done. He goes, I want you to believe. Today, you come to celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Because we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. We believe because we have God's word. We believe because we've seen God work in our lives. It's not like people can try to discredit the Bible. And they have tried. Right? It is reliable. And if you need assurance of that, study the Bible. Ask some questions. Let's talk about it together. We'll sit down. We've got a few people who know their stuff here. Let's talk about that, right? But, on the other hand, ask somebody, how do you know that there's a God? Some of us have crazy, crazy stories of seeing God work in our lives, right? Some of us have incredible stories. And I think we should share those with one another. Give faith and build up one another's faith, knowing that, man, God, He is alive. And he is moving and he's working. But this word is true that we would know that Jesus, up from the grave, he rose. Right? And, and so as we, we're going to sing a song in a couple minutes, but it's called Lamb of God. And what we've got to know is that Jesus was that lamb that took away. He, he was a sacrifice for our sins. As we reflect on the body and the blood, we reflect on what was given. But as you take communion today, I hope you will reflect on the reality that Jesus rose from the dead. And that it is relevant to us and has a calling for us to go and and tell people that Jesus is back. Right? That he rose again. And we wait for the day to be with him, to one day get to go to heaven. If you're skeptical, I respect that. But don't just stop there. Study it out. Find answers. Don't let it just settle in your hearts and in your minds until you've really done a lot to study it out. The truth of the Gospels are here. John has written this so that you might believe, but God has given us all of this so that you might believe. 
I hope today as we celebrate together, we can rejoice and be glad in what we have in Christ. The promise, the faith, the power restored to us through the resurrection. At this time, let's pray together for communion. Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity to be your disciples. We thank you for your son Jesus who came to die for us, Father. While we know that they got to see him, now we don't. I pray that we can be blessed with great faith in knowing that you truly are the one and only God. Thank you for for the promise and the power in the resurrection. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. As we take this cup, we remember his blood. As we take this bread, we remember the body. I just pray that you would work powerfully through each and every one of us. Let us celebrate today with one another as the family of God, knowing that you are working powerfully through us. We love you. We give thanks to you and praise to you. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.